Every time, every time I turn on the TV, it's really unsettling to hear uh, what's going on around the world. I mean, um, you know, the death, death toll is exploding, especially in Europe. Uh, New York and uh, California and, and Washington, you know, two of the most populous states, they're under the stay-at-home, right, order. They can't even just get out of the house. Um, and the stock market is on a free fall. Unemployment is surging, and it's going to continue to climb. And so there is a lot of anxiety. And it, is, it will get worse before it gets better. And I think we will do well if we do not go to either extreme of defiance. Um, I don't know if you guys have uh, caught that, but um, those young college students, you know, crowding at the beach, right, during their spring break, you know, they were saying, you know, I'm young and I'm healthy, so, you know, I, I should get over that, so I don't really care. This is my spring break. I can do whatever I want. So there's that one extreme of people kind of being defiant about the whole situation. Or the other extreme of panic. I don't know how long this is going to or how severe it's going to get. So I'm going to just gobble up all the toilet paper that I can get my hands on. Right? And there are people who are panicking. Uh, this past week, I was at uh, BJ's. I don't have Costco membership. Um, and I, I was at BJ's. And um, I saw some people taking, uh, they were stacking up so much like toilet paper on their like this huge cart. They stacked up so much, right? They, they couldn't even just carry like this. They couldn't sit to add to go like sideways to see where they are going, right? I'm like, I mean, are you, do you have a family of 12 or something? I mean, that is just an obscene amount of toilet paper that they were taking. I mean, what about the people, other people who need it? I wanted to say something, but, you know, I, I wasn't brave enough, right? Or, you know, so I couldn't say it, but you know, there are people that are just really going the other extreme, either defiance or into panic mode. And we should not get into these kind of things. Fear is everywhere, and people are desperate, understandably so, to feel safe and secure. However, it does not seem to be within our grasp, despite our best efforts. People are nervous and panicking in a time like this. So what does the scripture tell us? How do we respond in a time like this? And it's not, we're not just simply now talking about medical problem. This is spilling into an economic problem because a lot of businesses are, businesses are really, especially small businesses, are suffering mightily. We even have uh, church members that are really feeling the pinch right now, even at this moment. The passage that we read, Psalm 46, tells us that the God of Jacob is our fortress. He is our shelter. He is our refuge. And a fortress is designed so the enemies cannot penetrate. It provides protection and security, safety. A fortress is an immovable, indomitable object. And that's who God is to those who turn to him. You know, uh, one of the well-known hymns uh, written by uh, Martin, Martin Luther, did you guys know that actually Martin Luther wrote hymns? Is this uh, hymn that's titled, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. It goes, it was composed around 1529, and it goes, sometimes if you guys know, you know, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. 
Anyways, um, so it, it goes like that. And he wrote this uh, that, that hymn after reading this psalm, Psalm 46. He was inspired. He was moved by this psalm to write that hymn. A mighty fortress is our God. So what does this psalm tell us, especially in a time like this? And the first thing that he, uh, the psalmist calls for is a call to faith. Call to faith. But the question is, faith in what? Um, the answer is not just God in an abstract way. I mean, that would be a very typical Sunday school answer. You know, what, is, what are we to believe in? God, Jesus. No, no, that, not, not that kind of thing, but more specifically. What specific aspect of God that are we to have faith in? Verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength very present help in trouble. It talks about faith in divine help. Divine help. Even if the world were to collapse, God is present to protect. Protect us, and he would help us. It will be, he will be the strength to bear this trial. And the help is near. Help here does not mean in the sense of secondary assistance. You know, like uh, at school, sometimes uh, teachers, they need some uh, extra help. So they have teacher's assistant, T, uh, TA. Physicians have physician's assistant. That's not the kind of help the Bible is talking about here. The help here, it will, in the context, it means deliverance. He would deliver us. He would rescue us. That's the kind of help we are talking about. The help here is the help that God provides is primary. In fact, it is the only help that we can expect, the primary help to deliver us. And it, this help is very present help, according to verse 1. It means it's an abundantly available help. It is unlike the coronavirus testing. I mean, it seems like the rich and the famous, they seem like they have no problem getting the coronavirus testing right away, unlike the, the regular folks. But his help is not like that. And also this uh, verse, a very present help, it can also be translated as well-proved help. Well-proved help. He has demonstrated, in other words, he has demonstrated his help in the past time and time again, and he will do it once again. He would help us as he has in the past. When we desperately needed him, he has come to our rescue. He has not abandoned us. His help can come in many different forms. It can come in the miraculous deliverance, or it can come, his help can come in the, in the form of words of encouragement from people that we have not expected from, from an unlikely source. Sometimes people may just come and encourage us or give us help, really uplift our spirits, giving us, giving us encouragement and the strength to go on. Or it can come in the form of intercessory prayers by the church. People, the church of God, gathering together and praying together for specific things, specific people who are in need, and God would answer their prayers. You see, when God says God's help is near, it's not just something uh, that just falls on our lap from heaven, but it can come in many different ways. God's help 
is present, very present, readily available for us in many different forms. And as Israel is reminded of his very present help, their confession was that they will not fear, even with catastrophic events like earthquakes and floods here in these verses. In verse 2, therefore we will not fear Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains uh, tremble at its swelling, we will not fear. It was their confession. God will help us. God will deliver us as he has in the past. He has rescued us from our sin and eternal punishment through Christ Jesus. And now, If he has done so, he will also rescue us in times of trouble like this. Not only are we to have faith in divine help, but also faith in divine purpose. When we say, when we talk about call to faith in the psalmist, he's not just simply talking about divine help, but faith in divine purpose. Verses 3 and 4. Right? It talks about, and verse 4, it says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. That there is a purpose, divine purpose for us. It is to make glad of the city of God. There is a river that is, that is designed for the joy of the city where the Lord dwells. Even though the world is gripped by fear, we must understand that God has a purpose for everything. And often, God's purpose for us, for all of us, is bigger than us, bigger than our lives, and is beyond what we want. So we are to humbly submit ourselves to Him and trust in His purpose. Proverbs 19.21, it says this, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. We have a lot of things going on in our mind, even now, right? Oh, oh, you know, what are we going to, how are we going to plan these things out? So we plan things out because it somehow think that we would be more secure. I'm not saying that we should never plan, but we have many plans in our minds for ourselves, for people around us, for the world. But in the end, we have to understand, and as, as this um, pandemic teaches us, we have to just come before him in humility and acknowledge that it is really his purpose that will stand in the end. Among all the plans of the man, it is the purpose of God, the plan of God that will prevail and will stand. So when things seem to spin out of control, we are to have faith in divine help and in divine purpose. And the second point is call to remembrance. Call to remembrance. The psalmist here says, be joyful in verse 4, right? There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. How can you be glad, right? Is psalmist trying to psych us up or trying to play a trick on our mind? Is he telling us to be in denial of what's going on? Or is he saying, you just, just pretend that our situation is not that big of a deal? No, I don't think that's what he's saying. He's not trying to trivialize the dire situations, but he's reminding us that because God's presence is among his people, we can endure and take comfort 
God is with us. Verse 5, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. God's presence in our midst. That's the reason why we, we don't have to panic. We don't have to be afraid. Even though surrounded by troubles, the people of God are in the city of God. The people of God, God is our fortress. They are engulfed. We are engulfed by his very presence. We don't need to be afraid, but they have reason to be glad because God has identified himself with his people and now he dwells within them. You know, Jerusalem has no river, ancient or present. And yet, verse 4 said that there was a river. What's he talking about? Oh, we thought that uh, maybe this psalm was talking about city of Jerusalem. No, because verse 4 said there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The city of God, obviously here, is not literal Jerusalem, but the new Jerusalem. The river here is a metaphor for blessing and restoration. Jerusalem fell to Babylonians in 586 B.C., but according to Revelation, the new Jerusalem will stand forever and ever. There, there will be the, the river of blessings that will flow through all directions. And in verse 5, it says, God will help her when morning dawns. At the break of dawn, you know, back in those days, in, in military campaigns, the fighting began at the first light. So it's talking about God's help, not being slow. Then when God helps us, when God's help comes, when God rescues us, that he will not, his help will not be slow. In the darkness of distress, we know that the Lord will not let us suffer more, longer than necessary. You know, God does not owe us anything where we can demand that his timetable comply with ours. It's like, God, I need you to do this now, right? I'm in need right now, so don't delay. Just come and rescue us right now, right at this moment. I need you to do this now. But his help will surely come, but according to his timetable, according to his purpose, what he has in mind. And his help will not be longer than what is necessary. We are to remember his care, protection, and providential rule. Those who are wise enough to remember can see God's faithfulness toward his people. They know, they know that God will bring lasting peace. We should not let this difficult situation dictate or define our lives. Only God should define us. Only God should dictate our lives not this difficult situation that we find ourselves in. So the, the call to remembrance is the second thing. And the last point that uh, this psalm talks about is a call to worship. Call to worship. The psalmist is telling us in verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that the Lord is God. He's saying, calm down and look to him. God is in control. You know, if the coronavirus pandemic has taught us anything, it is that we have this stubborn illusion of control. And this pandemic has exposed our illusion. Who among us have thought that this would even bring the most powerful nation into its knees? Couldn't have imagined 
we have this illusion of control, but we are not. Through this, we realize so painfully and so clearly that we are not in control, no matter how desperately we want to be in control of our lives, of our surroundings. And this loss of control sparks fear. We are afraid of what we do not know. When we are not in control, we get scared. But what the psalmist is telling us is when we are not in control, we are to turn to Christ. We are to turn to God and worship him. Be still and know that the Lord is God. You know, some scholars think that this psalm was written after what had happened and the event that happened in 2 Kings chapter 19. What happened is, at that time, Assyrian king, Sennacherib, he was a powerful force. Everywhere he went, he just steamrolled everybody and basically like placed such fear in every nation because he would impale people, he would skin people alive if they put up a resistance. So he has such an incredible, scary reputation. And he was upon Israel. And he surrounded uh, Jerusalem. And at the time, the king was Hezekiah. People were scared. Can you imagine if you are living in Jerusalem and you hear all this reputation about a Syrian king that they have completely surrounded Jerusalem? Their destruction is upon us. We are not even talking about possible infection. We're talking about life and death. And King Hezekiah, Hezekiah turns to God, cries out to him, because King Sennacherib uh, blasphemes God. Hey, do you think your God will save you from me? All these other kings, all these other nations, they cried out to their gods, and look what, they, what have happened to them. I destroyed them all. And you think your God of Israel is going to save you? Not a chance. You guys will see my power and my fury upon you very soon, the next day. So Hezekiah cries out to the Lord, and God hears his prayers. And through prophet Isaiah, he says, I will deliver you. I will deliver you. And he believed it in the face of imminent destruction. Soon, the whole city was about to be ransacked and completely destroyed. But God gave that word to Hezekiah through prophet Isaiah. And 2 Kings verse 19, uh, chapter 19 says, that night, that very night, the angel of the Lord went out from God and struck down the Assyrian army. When the morning came, when, and the, you know, once again, the military campaign starts in the, in the first break of dawn, and when Israelites woke up, and when they looked in the morning, all the Assyrian army were gone. They were destroyed. And it says 185,000 men were killed that night. So in that morning, the, the Assyrian king and the rest of the army, they had to withdraw and they had to go back in defeat. And some scholars believe that this psalm was written. So if we think of it from that point of view, this psalm comes to us in a very new light. After seeing the deliverance and the rescue of God, literally, not in a spiritual sense, but literally from the hands of the enemy. So then, if you look at it from that uh, perspective, you know, verse 5, once again, God will help her when morning dawns. When the people rose up in the morning, fearing imminent death and destruction. But when they looked out, God has rescued her at the morning, at, at the dawn. 
And um, it goes on to say, verse 6, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. As they looked out, and 180,000 men that were about to kill them were completely gone. They were, they were laid in ruin. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. And that, if you look at it from that perspective, be still and know that I am God. Can you imagine the Israelites looking out? Complete in silence, there was calm. There was no more noise of the Assyrians blaspheming God and threatening to kill them all. And at that moment, people could have easily, the psalmist might have been inspired to write this psalm, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord, is, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. In the true knowledge of God, there is peace and there is rest. There is deliverance. You know, no one was busier than Christ during his earthly ministry. I mean, I know passage is extremely busy, but I don't think, with all due respect, I don't think he was as busy as Jesus was. Wherever he went, there was an overwhelming need everywhere. So many people to minister to. So many sick people, even dead people. People who are, uh, you know, demon-possessed. There are so many people to minister to. And in the midst of all this frantic pace, Jesus was calm. We don't see him being frazzled or being in distress, being so stressed out. If there is anybody that could have been, should have been stressed out, it would have been Jesus. And yet, we don't see that in the scriptures. He remained calm because he knew who he was and the relationship that he had with the Father. In a time like this, it is all the more reason for us to take a deep breath and be still before God and know that he is God who is sovereign and in control especially when we are going through really tough times and I really think that there is even tougher times may come, it's all the more reason for us not to panic or to be afraid, but actually worship God, to know him, be still and know that I am God who can rescue you. If we let go of our own false sense of security, peace, control, if we just learn to surrender, we will gain a greater knowledge of God and will have peace that this world does not and not cannot know or have. He calls us to a deeper trust and worship in the times of trouble like this. He will reveal himself to us. He will come to our rescue. He will help us. And we are called to remember what he has done in the past and how he will, how he will continue to deliver us and let us be still before God and know that he is our God. Let's pray. Let's go before the Lord. Let's take a moment uh, to, once again, uh, if possible, be still before him, to turn to him in times of trouble. Look to him and say, God, I don't know why all these things are happening. I don't know what's going to happen. We don't know the extent 
of this trouble. But Lord, I turn to you. I keep myself quiet. I let my words be few so that I may look to you, behold you, help me to know that you are God in control of all things. Grant me greater measure of faith. Help me to trust you deeper. So may that be our prayer. Why don't we just uh, lift up a prayer? And also at this time, I would like to invite you to pray for those. uh, Let's pray for protection. Some of us, even in this congregation, are at the front line in the healthcare. Uh, Can we pray uh, for the uh, the healthcare workers that are putting their lives on the line to help and serve other people at at this time? Let's pray for their protection. Let's pray for those people who are ill. Let's pray for uh, protection. And also let's pray for those of us who are already having a hard time because of uh, just a slowdown and social distancing, distancing that's really affecting their ministry, uh, their work. Let's pray. And maybe we can also just pray for the, uh, the vulnerable. If you know of elderly around you in your neighborhood, maybe we can just pray for them, see if we, in any way we can serve them. But let's, um, let's go before the Lord and just pray uh, for these things. Father, we come to you at this time and we desire to come to you in humility. Lord, we confess that we are not in control. We don't know what's going to happen. Our lives are in your hands. Allow us to remember, be reminded at all times that you are the sustainer of our lives. You are the only one who will determine what will happen. That though we may have many plans, in our mind, even at this moment, desperately seeking control in our lives or some sort of semblance of control. But Lord, help us to realize that it is your purpose that will prevail above all. And Lord, we do pray for those who fell ill. Pray that you would bring them to health. We also pray for those frontline workers risking their lives to serve those who are in need. Lord, protect them. Lord, have mercy in this situation that this world pass. But Lord, we once again acknowledge your sovereignty in this situation. May your will be done and continue to lead us that we will not slack off or disengage spiritually while we are away. But Lord, bring us back to you, draw us closer to you, that allow us with our family members be ever more vigilant, be ever more, be in the word, in prayers, caring for and loving for one another. Enable us and empower us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.